This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Previously on Space Train... Doug and the cadets retrieved a digital archive of all the gifted kids they planned to recruit for their Academy of Wanderers. Goro briefed them on their mission in the planetarium car and told them they would set out on their first retrieval mission after a quick stop at the Academy. When they arrived back at the Academy, Leo was waiting for them. And now for Season 2, Episode 2, The Academy. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Space Train. It's time to be the hero.
Dude! Dallas ran over in his spacesuit and gave Leo a hug. Blobby, who had slipped off of Dallas's shoulder, was temporarily squashed flat during the hug. When they pulled away, the little creature chirped angrily at them. Dallas ignored him and looked Leo over. What are you doing here, bro? Leo! Doug and Lydia ran and gave Leo a hug, too. I thought you were living with your mom on some random planet, Doug said. He remembered his friend's dramatic mom, Diva, and was glad she wasn't around. Leo started miming a walking model, flashing cameras and being bored. You picked up modeling, but it wasn't for you? Dallas interpreted. Everyone raised an eyebrow at him. It's been a while and my gesture interpreting is rusty, okay? Lydia shook her head. I think what he's trying to say is he was sick of being around all the glamour and cameras back on his mom's planet, so he got permission to come back? Leo pointed at her and nodded. Dallas shrugged. Close enough. Welcome back, Leo, said Goro, stepping off the hovering train and walking over to give Leo a handshake. Your mother notified me of your arrival, and I have to say your presence is most welcome. We're gonna need you on this mission, Doug agreed. Leo touched his chest, outlined his smile, and pointed to the ground. Doug knew that meant he was glad to be there. As he gave his friend a closer look, it was more obvious to him now that he was alien. His skin had an abnormal paleness to it, and his eyes had a grayish hue that sometimes shimmered a different color in the light. It wasn't long ago that Leo's mom, Diva, had to tell the kids that Leo was actually alien, which was why he communicated in gestures. It was embarrassing that Doug hadn't figured it out before, but at least he hadn't been the only one who was shocked. Mixon McGruff stepped off the train and gave Leo a big hug. There's my man. Been too long, brother. For a brief moment, the two spoke in Leo's native alien dialect, which sounded like a series of squawks, clicks, and grumbles. Their talking grew quieter, and McGruff discreetly slipped Leo a disc with a slick high-five. Doug quickly glanced around to see if anyone else had noticed, but they hadn't. They were too busy looking over the splendor of the rebuilt academy. All right, y'all, I'm heading off. McGruff waved to the cadets and started heading back to the train. I'll check in on you from time to time. He pointed up to the towering fortress. Fill this place with the best, y'all. We need it. Stay funky. Moments later, he was revving his hoverbike's engine and blasting off the comet. Dallas turned and put his arm around Leo. It's good to have you back, bro. You'll have to tell us all about your mom's crazy planet. Did they give you your own show? I can see it now. Late night with Leo. They started walking with the others towards the academy entrance. No. The word struggled its way out of Leo's mouth. Dude, well done. No's a tricky word, but it'll come in handy, trust me. Watch this. Hey, Goreman, can you play us some music on your speakers? No. See? Perched atop Dallas's shoulder, Blobby looked between the two boys and jiggled with jealousy. Dallas and Leo didn't notice. They laughed and slugged each other like old pals. 
They followed Goro and the other cadets over the drawbridge that stretched across a deep comet canyon and then passed through the tall academy doors. Doug, you even restored the crystals! Lydia lit up as soon as they stepped into the great hall. You like it? I love it! Lydia gushed. Leo raised an eyebrow at Dallas. Do you think this is bad? Dallas whispered to him. Brace yourself. It's a Disney Channel original movie up in here. They walked through the long, tall hallway under giant crisscrossing purple crystals. Purple crystal stalactites hung from the ceiling and glittered in the light of the massive oval chandeliers. Your attention to detail continues to impress, Captain, Goro said, taking in the view. As the doors hissed shut behind them, Doug took off his mask and relished a long inhale. Ah, fresh air. Goro helped me build an air purification system so we don't have to wear spacesuits once we're inside. Lydia hesitantly took off her own helmet. But won't we get sucked outside when the door opens back up? Nope. Goro used his bubble barrier technology outside all the windows and doorways. It's an upgraded version of what they used to have when kids went here. It traps the breathable air inside. Dallas took off his helmet and jumped up and down. As he did, his body briefly hung in the air before gently floating back down to the ground like a feather. So we can breathe and still float around? Yep, Doug said. Goro adjusted the gravity just enough so we could float bounce from class to class. It is functional, Goro confirmed, but it will take some adjusting to get just right. I may have you take a look at the programming, Leo, when you get a minute. Leo gave him a thumbs up. Leo, check it out! Dallas ran up one of the walls and did a slow, floating backflip before landing back on the ground. Leo shot Dallas an impressed nod and then tried it himself, running up the wall and doing a spin off of it. He made it nearly to the other side of the hall before he landed gently back down next to the others. Dallas stared at him. So you're an alien and a ninja now? He pointed to him. Look at this little showboat. I think he might be ready to learn some surfing. Doug turned to Goro. Should we head back to the last room? What last room? Lydia asked. There's one last section I need to work on. We never spend time there and the blueprints don't make any sense, so I need Goro's help to complete it. The connector, Goro said. It is the most complex structure on campus, but also the most important. We will head that way shortly, but first, the teachers are waiting to see you. Teachers? Lydia and Doug looked at each other. This way? Goro's metal mustache turned up in a smile as he walked away from them. The cadets followed the robot down the corridor, past paintings Doug had tried to piece back together from memory. The result was a gallery of mismatched images, splatterings of part battle, part celebratory feasts, Heads of masters of class set atop the wrong bodies. Frames jumbled together from other frames. The result was more of an abstract display than an accurate depiction of past people and events. They stopped in front of a classroom and the door hissed open. On the other side were the cadet's parents. Mom? Dad? Doug looked at his parents, shocked. Hey, honey. His mom and dad ran over and gave him a hug. Lydia and Dallas's parents did the same. 
What's going on? Lydia said, looking over the adults. Did you guys come to drop off our lunchboxes? Dallas quipped. We're the new teachers, his dad replied. We're getting ready for our first students to arrive, Doug's mom added. Doug noted the hologram projection of a teacher at the front of the classroom. The old woman lecturing was furry and clearly alien. She floated there like a blue ghost and continued her lecture to nobody in the background. Dallas's mom pointed to it. We've been studying past recorded lectures of the original teachers to make sure we're ready. They will make fine professors, Goro said. And they're learning from the best. I have compiled hundreds of the best recordings from my favorite teachers for them to observe. Your parents, the original team of wanderers, will be the chief instructors. When our numbers grow large enough, we will have some of the classes taught by holograms. Leo, I will need your help writing a program that allows the instructor holograms to interact with the students in real time. If we can scrub their recordings for any possible answers to questions, I'd like to have them ready to discuss once the question is recognized. It would be ideal if we can maintain some of their personality and speaking patterns, except for Professor Findleswatt. His personality was detestable, and I'd like it scrubbed if possible. Leo walked over and examined the strange hologram projector that looked like a white box with a pearly spring poking out of it, and then nodded. Excellent. Goro clapped his metal hands together. As a walking computer, I no longer have the urge to eat, which is admittedly quite unfortunate, but I imagine you are all famished after a long journey. What do you say we try out the new cafeteria before heading down to the connector? The cadets agreed, leaving their parents to their practice lessons and heading further down the corridor towards the cafeteria. Dallas suddenly stopped in the middle of the hall. Where's Blobby? The kids looked around. Blobby? Dallas called out. Bloberto? He was on your shoulder just a few minutes ago, Doug said, glancing back the way they came. Poor little dude could be lost. Dallas was starting to panic. Not to worry, Dallas, Goro assured him. Blobby's species is true to their bond. He may have wandered off, but I can't imagine he's gone far. Shall we proceed? Can I use the intercom? Dallas pleaded. If we reach the end of our tour and there is still no sign of our gelatinous companion, then yes, I will allow you to use the intercom. That seemed to appease Dallas for now. He continued with the others down the hall, calling for Blobby after every turn. They passed the rock amphitheater with its transparent domed ceiling that looked out at the stars. Doug had modeled it after the space train's planetarium car and did his best to make the ancient stone seating more comfortable. Lydia and Leo ogled the rebuilt battle rooms, a series of glass bubbles with diverse alien terrains and weaponry. Goro was especially excited about the rebuilt library. Beyond its crystal-arched entrance were impossibly high bookshelves that stretched up to the purple crystal ceiling. Unnatural ladders twisted and turned up the shelves, which were now restocked with all of the most important books, thanks to their parents. As they toured the campus, Lydia kept gushing about how amazing everything looked. The lighting, the crystals, the ancient grandeur. Doug felt a little lighter with every compliment. Leo and Goro were showering praise as well, but Dallas was too busy looking for Blobby. He'd resorted to dangling a chocolate bar and singing Blobby's favorite song, Surfin' USA by the Beach Boys. 
Doug figured it was more Dallas's favorite song than Blobby's. Either way, Dallas seemed sure it would summon the little blob. If everybody had an ocean across the USA, ooh, ooh, the others tried to tune it out. Doug, are the vacuum tubes ready to test? Lydia asked, stopping by one of the circular doorways that led into the silver tube. Then everybody'd be surfing like California. Doug smiled. I did. Want to try it out? Inside, outside, USA. Inside, outside, USA. Everybody's gone surfing. Surfing, USA. Dallas's song wasn't working to bring Blobby back, but it did set the mood for what came next. Seconds later, they were surfing the air through the winding vacuum tunnels to the other side of the academy. Woohoo! Lydia shouted, her red hair whipping behind her as she shot through the tube. All right! Doug laughed, flying behind her. Leo celebrated silently as he did a little spin through the air. Goro's robotic voice box chuckled as he held his hands behind his head and casually zipped by. Bobby! Dallas cried as he reluctantly floated behind them. By the time they all reached the other end of the tube, the suction had leveled out and they were set back down with crazy hair. Leo shook his fists in the air and looked like he was soundlessly shouting to the heavens like a warrior who just won a battle. I know, awesome, right? Doug laughed. Leo patted his shoulder and gave him an enthusiastic A-OK signal. What a rush, Lydia said, fixing her hair. The only downside is the static, Doug said. Every time you pass through the tubes, it's like you've been doing snow angels on a trampoline for an hour. He reached out and touched Lydia. Zap! Ouch! Hey! She laughed and slugged his arm. My turn, Goro said, excitedly reaching out to touch Dallas. Zzzz, a lightning bolt blasted out of Goro's metal finger and sent Dallas flying. <laughs> Dallas shuffled back over seconds later, his hair sizzling. Bro... I'm sorry about that. On to the cafeteria. The cadets float bounce down the next hall up to the cafeteria. The space train's dining room looked like a souped-up version of the space train's cosmic cafe. They punched their requests onto touchscreens, and immediately chef-bots were activated and got to work making the food. Doug stopped Dallas's hand before it could touch the screen. Anything but the burger, okay? <laughs> Whatever. Dallas ordered a bucket of chocolate pudding, hoping Blobby would sniff it out from a mile away. Once they all had their food, they walked over to the tables. Everybody take a different table, Doug told them, unable to contain his excitement. Lydia looked at the tables, confused. Why? Just do it. I'll show you. Everyone took a table and sat down. Dallas sadly started digging into his monstrous bowl of pudding. Okay, <laughs> now press the button on the side. Doug showed them the button at the edge of the table, and once it was pressed, a joystick popped up out of the table in front of him. Pfft, click! Goro and the other cadets followed suit. Pfft, click! Pfft, click! Dallas's joystick popped up under the bowl of pudding, tipping it over into his lap. Dallas stared down at his lap full of pudding, 
and then blankly looked back at Doug. Any other genius ideas? Now press the button on top of the joystick, Doug told them. As they pressed their joystick buttons, little jets ignited under their tables and lifted them off the ground. Hover tables? Cool, Lydia shouted. She steered her table through the air. Guru and the other cadets floated up next to her. You control your lift by pressing and holding the button, Doug instructed. Then you steer with the joystick. They practiced flying around the dining room on their hover tables. Goro knocked his table into Leo's like a bumper car. Leo laughed and bonked his table back. Pretty soon, they were all in a bumper car war with their tables, ramming into each other and bouncing off. Lydia knocked into Doug so hard that he was sent spinning and his plate of fries flew all over the place. Dallas wasn't in the mood to goof off. He got angry every time someone bumped into him, except for Leo. He acknowledged those attacks with, Not bad, Doolit. Once they were all sick of spinning around and bonking into things, they let go of their joystick buttons and slowly floated back down. Nice touch, Captain, Goro said, flicking a french fry off his mustache. Though if I may, seatbelts may be an appropriate addition. I agree, Doug chuckled. They headed down to the end of the east wing of the academy and stopped in front of a tall cylinder room. There were grooves all the way up it like a beehive. Wires and circuits lay in heaps on the floor below. Leo pointed to it all and raised his hands questioningly. Welcome to the connector, Goro replied. The most critical section of the academy. Lydia looked around unimpressed. What's so great about it? It is here that students are literally able to put their minds together, Goro explained. It acts as a giant brain and the students are the neurons, sending signals to one another, combining their collected knowledge for a single purpose. It has been used to great effect in the past. Combining the collective talent of pupils and professors creates a supermind, capable of an incredibly powerful output. Leo pointed to Goro's circuits and mimed typing on a computer. No, a supercomputer doesn't hold a candle to the connector. This is much more sophisticated and powerful. The future of the universe depends on it. He turned to Doug. Are you ready, Captain? Doug looked over the confusing heaps of electrical junk and swallowed. I guess... Doug had never mind-built something so complicated... He'd secretly been dreading this moment ever since they landed on the comet. Goro held up his metal arm so that its forearm screen was in front of Doug's face. Since the blueprints are intentionally vague in this area, I will walk you through the mechanics. Let me know if I'm going too fast. Doug nodded. Okay. He hoped he could keep up so he didn't have to tell Goro to slow down in front of Lydia. He could see her watching with great interest out of the corner of his eye. Taking a deep breath, he studied the schematic on Goro's arm screen, glanced at the pile of wiry junk, and then held out his hands. Shapes started to spin in his mind. They twisted, turned, and gradually started warping together. Doug closed his eyes and felt his hands trembling. The sounds of clicks and pops filled the air. Opening one eye, he could see wires and circuits floating off the ground in the room and piecing together. Excellent, Goro said. Next step, 
He slid his arm screen and the next detailed schematic displayed. Doug studied it as quickly as he could, then glanced at the pile, imagined the needed parts, and continued to mind build. The more he did it, the faster the process went. But with every step, he felt himself getting weaker and weaker. Next! Goro swiped the next screen, and the next, and the next. Almost an hour later, sweat was dripping down Doug's face, and his knees shook. One more step, Goro called. You've almost done it. His voice sounded distant. Doug's vision was getting blurry. Everyone around him looked like they were in a narrowing, dreamlike tunnel. He was finding it harder and harder to focus. All he wanted to do was collapse and close his eyes. But he was so close. Just a few more pieces. Doug's trembling fingers turned, and the very last screw spun into place. Done! Goro announced. Doug dropped to his knees and panted. Good work, Captain. Oh, Doug, are you okay? Lydia dropped down next to him and put an arm around him. Doug leaned against her and mumbled nonsense. Someone get him some water, Lydia said. Dallas walked up and extended a spoonful of leftover pudding. Lydia gave him an annoyed look. Water! Dallas shrugged and ate the bite himself. Leo ran up and handed Lydia a bottle of water, which she took and helped Doug drink. The water felt like ice going down his throat. Dallas gave Leo a fist bump. See, this is what I love about you, bro. Always prepared. As their fists pulled away, Blobby's irritated little face came into view behind them. Blobby went into a jiggling tirade. Oh, there you are, Dallas let out a sigh of relief. I thought maybe you'd been sucked out into space or something. Whoa, what's your dealio, Emilio? Blobby was letting him have it, glaring between him and Leo. What are you freaking out about? Blobby rolled his eyes and started bouncing away. Wait, come back! Dallas chased after him. I've got pudding! I believe I know where our squishy little friend is headed, Goro said, watching Dallas frantically chase after Blobby and waving a spoon. Shall we? He and Lydia helped Doug to his feet, and slowly they headed back down the corridor. Doug weakly turned his head to look back at the connector. A big mechanical spindle now poked up in the middle of the room, its wires connecting to the hive of seats going up the walls. Even after putting it together... He still didn't understand how the thing worked. He just hoped it did work. Doug, Goro, Leo, and Lydia took their time heading back through the academy. They enjoyed another ride through the vacuum tubes. They float-bounced off walls. They even grabbed a quick to-go snack from the cafeteria chef bots. Eventually, they reached the main entrance, put their helmets back on, and went out to the space train. Are you sure they went this way? Lydia said, looking skeptically at the comet terrain around them. Quite sure, Goro replied. Goro led them into the train and through the cars. They passed by the Cosmic Cafe, the planetarium, and the train rec room. They passed by the zoo, the sleeping quarters, and the trampoline car. They'd walked through dozens and dozens of cars before Doug finally realized where Goro was taking them. The caboose? 
he said as they approached the final car. The caboose, Goro confirmed. Doug remembered rebuilding the strange, mysterious car after their battle with the exiles, the car their parents had been hiding in during their missions. He'd never actually been inside, so when it came time to put it back together, his imagination ran away with him. Molly remembered was throwing together a slimy cave. He exhaled nervously as Goro opened the door and led them inside. The caboose was every bit as horrible as Doug had imagined. Green slime covered the walls. Fog curled around the floor. Veiny, twitching alien eggs bulged out of the walls and glowed faintly. Doug had no idea how he'd created all this. It looked like an alien species had invaded the train car. Talk to me, Bob! came Dallas's voice towards the back. Goro and the kids stepped over the squishy ground until they reached Dallas, who was kneeling next to his jelly friend. Blobby was avoiding eye contact and hugging one of the slimy alien eggs. Look, Blobbert, I can be friends with you and Leo, Dallas was telling him. Just because I was excited to see him doesn't mean I forgot about you. Blobby looked away and continued to chirp angrily. If I may, Dallas... Goro cleared his mechanical throat and stepped forward. <clears throat> While I do believe our little friend here is experiencing some form of jealousy, I think it is ultimately his desire for deep connection that is causing this outburst. But I give him a deep connection, Dallas said. The little dude's on my shoulder 24-7. Sometimes I wake up and he's all gooed up in my hair and you know how I get about my hair. Perhaps Blobby is seeking connection with more than one being, Goro said. My database tells me that his species is very dependent on community. But we're his community, Doug said. Why can't he just connect with us? Because you aren't cool enough, Dallas said. Except for you, Leo. I don't know why he doesn't goo up your hair. Or maybe you have jelly for brains, Lydia said with her hands on her hips. I'm not sure what the reason is, Goro said, stroking his metal mustache. There must be something about your personality he relates to. The only way we may be able to appease him is to take him back to his home world. Everyone looked at Goro. And leave him there? Dallas looked like he was on the verge of tears. That is for him to decide, Goro replied. There was a beep on his arm and Goro reacted by checking his arm screen. Good news. Our first pupil is ready for pickup. Broderick Boogle. We are to retrieve him from the planet Schnorsheim. Awesome, Doug said, excited at the thought of meeting their first student. But there was something he'd been puzzling over ever since Goro had briefed them on their mission. That list we got, he said, there were a ton of names on it. I'm as pumped as anyone to get these kids, but are we going to be doing this until we're 80? It's going to take forever to fill the school. Goro's screen mouth displayed a smile. We do not have to fill the academy to capacity, Captain. You are right. It will take many years to reach that point. But for the time being, we will prioritize and form a strong core of wanderers. Once your parents complete their practice lessons, they will embark on retrieval missions themselves to bring back the candidates that are in less precarious situations. 
The higher risk, higher reward students will be left to us. Together, in due time, the Academy will have what it needs to begin its training year. What about Blobby? Dallas said, pointing to the sulking slime ball. Look at him. He won't even touch chocolate. He continued to offer the blob pudding like a frustrated parent trying to spoon-feed a defiant baby. Blobby's episode will pass, Goro assured him. But we may see many more tantrums over the coming days. We will try to stop by his home planet, but it is out of our way. For now, our students are the priority. We will accommodate Blobby's needs as best we can until we can reach Gorf. Gorf? All the kids said at once. You heard me correctly. Gorf is not exactly a vacation destination, but we will do everything in our power to make the pit stop. Understood, Blobber? Blobby twisted the top half of his jelly body and slowly nodded. Good. Leo, I would appreciate your assistance in the cockpit. Your navigation skills are far superior to my own, and I'd also like you to look over the roll we retrieved. I'd like to know if there are any traces of it being copied. Leo nodded and gave the robot conductor a thumbs up. Goro looked at the other cadets. The rest of you... Suit up and grab a pair of nose plugs from the medical car. Nose plugs? Goro smiled at them. Oh, the fascinations of the universe. The smells on Schnarsheim are enough to overwhelm the strongest minds. We must take no chances. Come along, Leo. Our friend Broderick awaits. Doug and Lydia exchanged a nervous look before following the others out of the caboose. All right, Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Space Train. It's fun to be back with Blobby and the cadets and Goro. What would I do if I had a little jelly friend on my shoulder all the time? What would you do with a Blobby friend, huh? What would you use Blobby for? What would you do with Blobby? That's uh, kind of a fun thought. What about your special ability? Have you thought about what your special ability is? The cadets have some pretty powerful special abilities. And while we might not have similar superpowers, we all have some amazing talents and abilities ourselves. They're kind of our own personal superpowers. And those personal superpowers are the things that come easy to us that might not be easy to other people. And what's kind of cool, Rocketeers, is as you grow up, you kind of gradually start to discover what those superpowers are. Maybe you're 
really kind and generous or maybe you're funny, maybe you're really smart or you're good at math, you're a good writer, you're you're thoughtful. There are so many different superpowers. It's fun to look at all of my kids, my wife, my family and friends and just to think of all the cool talents and abilities they have that I don't have. And it's just fun because we're kind of all one big team when we work together and put our superpowers together, especially as a family, when you're with your siblings and your parents, and we all just complement each other and we we lift each other up and we're stronger together. It's really cool. Anyway, total side note, but just kind of thinking about it, reading this episode, um, kind of fun to think about. I love the cadets, love Space Train. I want to give some shout outs to some of these Apple reviewers. This one says, I love this podcast. Hi, my name is Brielle. I'm from Missouri and I've been listening since the beginning when I was eight and I just turned 13 and I still listen to every episode. You are my favorite podcast. Wow. Brielle, that's incredible. Thank you so much for your support. Five years. It's basically almost been five years. I think it's it must have almost been five years, right? We're coming up on that. So thank you so much for being such a loyal rocketeer, for hanging in there and not getting sick of me. So cool. And I hope you're enjoying these new series. That's awesome, Brielle. Thank you so much. This one says, more space train, please. It says, I need more space train in my life. And it says like that, my life. And it has a rocket on it. But And then in quote, it says, but Livy, there's already a season two. And my answer is, I know. Okay, I just need more exclamation marks. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sorry. I can't do more than I'm already doing. I'm, I'm debating whether I should, after I kind of do this bounce back and forth between pockets and space train after this, I might focus on one season at a time, kind of like I did with Camp Dino. I'm curious what you guys think about that. So let me know. Shoot me an email leave me a review, however you want to communicate with me, a Facebook message. Let me know what you think about that. If you listeners would prefer that I focus on one series at a time instead of bouncing between two, um, it's just, it's hard. I get started with one story and I get anxious to go to the next. So sometimes I just get impatient and start doing two at the same time. For those like Brielle, who've been listening from the very beginning, I started out doing four at the same time, which was completely insane. I don't even know. I'm sure I mixed up character names all the time, but we started with Life, Space Train Season 1, Grandpa's Globe Season 1, and Winglings Under the Willow Tree. And I was just doing an episode, one of the series each week of the month. It was totally crazy. It was totally, it was too much. Obviously, I had to scale back, but man, that was a total trip and a, a crazy ride. But I wonder if it'd be, I don't know, easier to get into characters and uh, the story if I just focused on one. So you're probably all going to tell me yes. So let me know though. I want to, I want to hear your feedback. Anyway, I really appreciate all you Rocketeers who are listening and whether you leave a review or you tell your friends about the show or you become a patron, you can plug for Patreon. I appreciate all the support I get. It means the world to me. And seriously, hearing your stories, it's incredible. Like Connor, Connor, thank you for sending that picture, by the way, of the Pella Pirates from the Adventure of Pockets. That drawing of the pirate ship is awesome. So good. But anyway, thank you so much, Rocketeers. All the support. I, I love it. And I love hearing your story. So give me your feedback, uh, what you think of the new seasons, how you want to maybe focus on stories going forward after I finish these seasons up, because I'm not going to focus on one now. I've already started doing two at the same time. So anyway, Rocketeers, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my mom, Roxanne Webb, for helping me clean up the story. And to Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com for helping edit this audio. 
Love it. Thank you, Rocketeers. Don't forget to check back next time for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.